So this is Labor Day weekend, right? My na the name of this message is called Laboring for Jesus. Amen? And Labor Day is a, a really weird holiday for me because it's like, how many of you decorated the house for Labor Day? Anybody? Raise your hands. Not one hand. It's just kind of a different kind of holiday. How many of you got cards saying Happy Labor Day? You just don't celebrate it that way. You know, Thanksgiving, you know, you do some things up or you're Happy Thanksgiving or Christmas or Resurrection Sunday. But Labor Day is different, you know. And uh, it's, it's, there's irony to it because on Thanksgiving, what do you do? You give thanks. On Labor Day, what do you do? Nothing. <laughs> you do the opposite of labor. So it's just kind of an interesting holiday. It's, and it's kind of more, you know, to relax and give appreciation for those laborers who have contributed to the country and the success of the country and uh, so forth. So it's, it's a neat day of celebration still. The only ones laboring really are those who are, for the most part, cooking and, uh, you know, dishes and giving messages. <laughs> I'm doing both. Uh, I've got some food on the grill. In fact, I had to keep it on the grill since last night, so I camped out in my backyard for part of the night in a hammock, which was really nice because it was a little hot. But uh, what, a, what a beautiful day this is. Who say, no, oh, it's so hot. It's so messed up. It's like when it gets really cold, you'll be like looking for days like this, you know. And we don't have very cold winters here, but at, toward the end of each winter, I start to look forward to springtime. Toward the end of summer, when it starts getting really hot like this, I start to look forward to fall and, uh, and then also winter. And this is considerably like the last day of fall, unofficially, you know. So, I'm sorry, the last day of summer. Summer is considered to end here in an unofficial state. So it's a beautiful day and that, that you're welcome to a new season. Uh, but I want to talk about labor and us working, you know, uh, for the Lord. And also, when you say for the Lord, it's like, okay, you're talking about witnessing and serving Jesus on the mission field and, and doing things with the kingdom and the church and, and so forth. And that's all important. Amen. No, I mean, working in that way, of course, but also the work that you're doing that may be considered secular, the work that you're doing when you just show up to do your secular job, that's supposed to be under the Lord too, amen? And right now, our country, even though there's jobs are starting to boom again after the COVID had hit uh, and so forth, uh, there's, even though there's a lot of jobs, more and more jobs becoming available, there's still some shut down, but the labor force in our nation and the excitement toward working is at an all-time low, perhaps. And a lot of it's with the mindset that has, you know, with millennials, not all millennials, some millennials work really hard, but, uh, and when we look at the millennials and some of the struggles that they have, you got to keep in mind, a lot of that's because of the parenting and, you know, and so forth. So uh, I want to look at all of this picture because today I was reading different articles uh, recently about work. I did a three-part series just on work one time. And believe me, I didn't go to those notes and squish them all into one. Uh, that'd be a, too much for you. But uh, one article is why young people hate their jobs. Why young people hate their jobs. And I want to try to correct this problem among anybody we can influence, you know, in the Lord. Amen? Because as Christians, we should love our job. And our main job, I always say our main job, we all have a ministry, right? It's called the ministry of, it starts with an R. What is it? Reconciliation. Reconciliation. Amen. Jane and it's been years, but you still got it. Amen. Uh, the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, we're all called, the Bible says God has given us, Christians, the ministry of reconciliation. We're all called to be witnesses and to bring people to Christ. Amen? That's one of the reasons that the Lord left us here. We've gone over. Why are we still here? Why did he just take us home? One, one reason we know is trials and to strengthen us. 
uh, also to test us and also that we could be witnesses for him here. And in this article, it says millennials dominate the workforce. But according to a 2016 Gallup poll, 71% of them, that's a big percent, 71% of them aren't engaged at work. And at least 60% are open to new job opportunities. They're indifferent about work. They're indifferent about work and simply show up just to put in the hours. That's a bummer, man. When you know, most people, most millennials are just there. They just want to get over with it. They're putting the hours. Gallup's research, which combines 30 separate studies. So Gallup, now Gallup, uh, 30 different studies and date from that, or they state from about 1 million respondents that incorporated, were incorporated in these studies, found that the millennial workforce is predominantly checked out, quote, Gallup. They aren't getting energy or they're putting energy or passion into their jobs, according to the Gallup researchers. They, they're indifferent about work and simply show up just to put the hours, put in the hours. And the reasons given as to why millennials are checking out at work is unrealistic, highly, uh, high expectations of what their day-to-day work lives would be like. They expected them to be, you know, more plush perhaps or cooler impatience and frustration because they want career advancements in months versus years. In other words, when they're working, it's like, hey, I want to raise, I want to, I want a promotion right now. I've been here two months, you know. Social media overload, which can create a distorted reality where everyone else seems to have an amazing life. Isn't that crazy? Wait a minute, man. On social media, look at this guy just loves his job, you know. Do you think people show their worst days on social media? Most people don't. And most, it was an advertisement for the best parts of their lives as though it's all their lives, you know. And so a lot of people have unrealistic expectations. I saw this coming years ago. Years ago, long before, I mean, 15, 20 years ago, I heard a man who uh, was on the radio talking about how, and he had many people that worked under him. And he said, it's hard with the young people coming in. That was years ago because we got one guy came right out of college and he was really upset that he, and there are several people that had been there for years, that he couldn't have the best office with the best overlook, with the best view of the town. And he got really angry. And he just got hired, you know. And we have a sense of entitlement today and so forth. And as Christians, we should have a sense of thanksgiving for any opportunities we have, amen, that can glorify the Lord, amen. And that will change our whole attitude toward work. Uh, Another article, Daughter, 18, sues parents for support. So she got upset with her parents. She sued them because her parents just said, hey, let, let, you know, put down a few rules. You know, here's a curfew. You know, uh, here's some chores, what have you. And at 18, she said, no, I don't want to do that. And they said, if you're going to be here, you got to do just follow our, some of our rules, you know. And she was out. But then she tried to sue her parents for, this was Sean uh, Elizabeth Canning, and Rachel was the daughter, or is still the daughter, but she, started, she tried to sue them for support and she wanted uh, $624 a week for child support to force her parents to pay about $5,300 in tuition uh, to come up with $13,000 for legal fees and so forth. The judge said, I don't think so. And the judge said, the judge was not pleased at the teen, at the, uh, with regard to the teen's tactic. During the hearing, he said, quote, what will be next? Are we going to open the gates to a 12-year-old suing for an Xbox? Do we want to establish a precedent where parents are living in constant fear of establishing basic rules of the house? And so you could see the precedent that that would cause, right? Uh, I saw Quora. 
you know, Quora, you get these questions and then random people kind of answer these questions. And another, somebody asked, can I sue my mom for making me do chores without paying me? <laughs> and there were 17 answers to that one. I won't read them all, but they, I just thought, when I saw that question, I thought, that, that got my curiosity. And I thought, I wonder what people are saying. If most people feel like I feel, and uh, pretty much everybody, almost everybody said the same thing, basically. Please tell me you're, you're not serious. Payment is the roof over your head, the electric, uh, the electricity you can consume, the heat or AC, the food in your belly. Get real. Another one. Really? Your mother or parent of a, uh, should never have to pay you for doing chores unless they want to. How old are you? Under 18? Uh, who do you think pays for your clothes, food, the roof over your head, the medical care, your phone, school, possibly college and activities you do anymore? Over 18? And still living at home? Well, you are considered an adult. And so you are paying your mom and dad rent, helping with utilities for food, etc. Another, no, chores are not are, are an exchange for your room and board. And it goes on. You know, and a person goes on to say, you should be paying 1000 bucks a month. Uh, what if you were charged 1000 bucks a month since you were born? Uh, they estimate $216,000 is what you owe your parents right now. Get busy paying that off. It's going to take you the rest of your life. On and on, you know. Another article, a judge sides with parents and rules their 30-year-old son must move out. And I actually saw an interview with this guy, you know. You know, it's super long hair, and he didn't, he didn't have a job, and he's, been, he's 30 years old, and, and uh, his parents have wrote, asked him five times to leave. They had all the documentations because he was refusing to get a job uh, and so forth, and he refused to move. Didn't want to get a job. And he admitted, quote, that he never, quote, assisted with chores and the maintenance of... Uh, the premises and claims that it's simply a component of living a living agreement they had you know so that's sad this is like so sad what's going on today you have this this cancer in the home you know where people don't have any kind of work ethic and they're not they're not putting the pedal to the metal in any way and i mean right now i just saw some interviews recently unrelated to my research on this issue and they were just interviewing people on the streets about what the government should give them for free and it was everything under the sun you know, just give me my exercise equipment. They should give me this. They should give me that. Well, who pays for that? You know, if they were paying for that for others with higher and higher taxes, would they be so excited about giving away all this free stuff? So it's just crazy what's going on. Now, it is, work is, is not, it's, some people consider it a four-letter word. And work can be hard because you labor. And guess what? When the first humans were made, Adam and Eve, when they were made, they were given the ability to till the garden. They, there was no sin. There was no fallenness to their nature. So work was a complete joy. And in the new heaven and new earth, there'll be no pain. There'll be no recurse. Amen. There'll be more, no more death. It'll be a joy again to just serve the Lord. But now because we rebelled against the Lord, we live in these fallen bodies that are deteriorating and just serving and doing things that we ought to do to, uh, you know, eke out our existence can sometimes be somewhat painful. In fact, in Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 17, it says, Then to Adam he said, that is the Lord said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil, in toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. And in the sweat of your face, right on cue as I'm wiping a beat off my face, in the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. So they were working in the face of death. That creates a situation in your mind. Wow, I'm working, working, I'm going to die. You know, they're toiling to bring forth the fruit. Before it was a pleasure, things just grew, right? As we abide in Christ, right? Through faith, 
things, we, we bear fruit. Well, now they've got to toil to get it, you know? And so you've got a few different things going on there. Not only the toiling going on, which I think is interesting, it's also thorns and thistles that you have to compete with. Amen? So work is different than it was in, in Eden, and different it will be in, et- in eternity with the Lord. And we need to recognize that's part of it. Amen? But the Bible tells us that there's a joy when you know the Lord and you're redeemed because your perspective on work can change. Now, it's interesting. There was a problem with people not, in the wor- not wanting to work in the early church. There's a problem with people not wanting to work in the early church. And the church at Thessalonica, they thought, hey, the Lord's coming back. They got excited about the rapture. Except they had a problem. They thought it was imminent in the sense of any moment. Okay? Now, they thought, oh, it could happen any moment. You know, and we just, Jesus is coming back. In fact, some of them thought it might have already happened and they'd been crushed that they'd missed it. And a lot of them quit working. And a lot of times what can happen is you can, your theology can influence you in the wrong way. And it's interesting because Paul, you know what he wrote to them? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, right before he talks about the rapture, he says, "And uh, and do make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. And attend to your own business. And work with your hands. You catch that? And work with your hands just as we commanded you. So that you may behave properly toward outsiders. And not be in any need. He wants us to work with our hands. So we're a witness to outsiders. And say that those Christians man. They just loaf around you know. And they confuse you with street people that don't care. And just you know. Uh, many of them don't, you know, some of them do, and they just are bad situations. But we're not to be in that type of situation. In fact, it's interesting, Paul, right after Paul warns and lets them know concerning Christ's coming and our being gathered together to him, don't be deceived, he says, that day's not going to happen, Christ's coming to gather us, until the fallen away happens first, then the Antichrist uh, it, it sits in the temple. Then that will happen, the rapture will be after that. So he tried to give them an understanding that there's events that take place before the rapture, and then he went on right after that to tell them to get back to work. He goes on to say in, verse, uh, in chapter 3, verse 10, For even when we were still with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone will not work, neither let him what? Neither let him eat. Now, it's not saying if someone can't work. Sometimes you have people in situations they can't work. They're physically disabled or there's something going on wrong with them or they've got some disease that's debilitated them or, or some condition. They didn't say if someone doesn't work. He says if someone will not work. I mean, their will is, I don't want to work. Don't let them eat. In other words, uh, if somebody's claiming to be a Christian, that's who Paul's talking about. Uh, not talking about a homeless guy that needs a hamburger that you want to witness to, but somebody that's in the church. Paul said someone who uh, doesn't work, or someone, I'm sorry, he said someone who doesn't provide for their own household is worse than an unbeliever, worse than an infidel. A lot of non-believers work their rear ends off, amen? If you're claiming to follow Christ, love the Lord, and love your family, and love the lost, and love your brothers and sisters, we ought to be working for we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat your own bread. I mean, don't leech after, off of other people. Work in quiet fashion. I thought it's very interesting that both times, both times he mentions to the Thessalonians that they need to work he talks about not being busybodies and staying out of everybody else's business. What happens when you don't work? You have a lot of time on your hands, amen? You can, and the, an idle mind, we talk about being a playground for the devil and the idle hands, being tools of the devil. What happened when COVID was going on and millions of young people were out of work? And then the opportunity came 
to justify rioting and, and burning down buildings and killing people and murdering people and saying, hey, we're doing this for a good cause, you know? I'm not talking about sincere people that took to the streets and said, hey, there needs to be some social justice here regarding black folks who are being mistreated, okay? And I'm very strong, and you've heard several messages I've done on how black lives do count, amen? We should be fighting for lives of everybody as far as being a witness to people, but we don't stand for BLM Incorporated, okay? The institution that says they're Marxist, you know? They're against the family. They're into witchcraft, you know? And all those things against the nuclear family. So we need to make sure that uh, we recognize the value of working with your hands keeps you out of trouble, amen? Keeps, if you're working under the Lord and giving him glory, you'll be a blessing. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians 4.28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor. And that's what a lot of those guys were doing. They were breaking in places and stealing from people, saying, oh, this is going to help the race, race problems. Just made it worse. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So we're supposed to work not only so we can have our needs and our, our family met, but also to help others. We're supposed to be a blessing to others. God wants us to give. He's a giver, amen? He doesn't just give to himself and, and just give to the triune Godhead and say, what can I give myself? Amen? In fact, Jesus says it's better to give than to receive. He's given us life. Amen? So there's many things we can do for the Lord. What kinds of work should what we be doing? Should be a, think of the mission field. Well, you know what? I don't know if I go on the mission field because I, I, I work over here. And, uh, guys, where is the mission field? Wherever you're at. Amen. And wherever you go. Jesus said, Do not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Already he who has, reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal. Wow. So that he who sows, he, he also reaps, and he, that, we may rejoice to, that he may rejoice together. For in this case, he says, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap uh, for that which you have not labored. Isn't that interesting? Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. I love missions because you're, even if you don't see fruit, it's okay. You're sowing seeds. You're showing the love of Christ. You're witnessing and somebody come behind you and all of a sudden lead people to Christ based on your labor. Or maybe, I don't know how many times I've won people to Christ, but I knew there were people that came before me that where that person's heart was set in the right position or had, had seeds planted where I was able to share the gospel with them and they were open. Work as a witness. Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Work for the Lord. You said, yeah, but you know what? I want, to do, I want to be a witness. I want to shine the light of Christ. I want to obey all that, man. But right now I'm getting involved with this new job and, and I just can't focus on witnessing. Guess what? On your new job, you know how you focus on witnessing when you first start? Being the best worker that you could be. And you know what? Like so many of the millennials who have no motivation because they want the most plush office when they just get the brand new job or they want a, they want a promotion after three months and they want that guy's job or whatever. And I'm not saying all millennials. A lot of millennials work really, really hard. But I'm talking about the problem that we are facing today. It's very real. And I'm poor, it's important that you and I understand that the best way to be a witness when you start a job is to shine the light of Christ with a good attitude, amen, and work with a good heart toward the Lord and others. And be loving toward others and pray, Lord, help me just be kind to everybody. Amen? And help me work hard. In fact, Paul says in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do your work, uh, do your work heartily. What does it mean to do something heartily? It means with, with your, all your strength. 
Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. So in other words, whatever you're doing, okay, if you're stocking shelves or you're, 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 you know, you're, you're a cashier or whatever, you're flipping burgers, whatever you do it, you do it for the Lord. You say, hey, Lord, in your providence, I'm here right now to serve you. Sometimes we think that we have to do these outlandish, crazy things to actually be on fire Christians. But if you got a job at a burger joint and you're flipping those burgers for Jesus, right? And you have a good heart and you're praying to be a witness. That's where the Lord has you at that time until he brings you another place. Amen? You know? I was listening to a man and he was talking about how, you know, certain people, uh, you know, you're not really walking as a Christian if you are, you know, not doing these really crazy things for Jesus. And he was pointing out in Ephesians that, uh, look, these servants are told to be, you know, good servants for their masters. Amen? And how, how many of these guys could just go do this crazy thing, you know, for Jesus? They couldn't. They had to work there and be servants. Yet, in God's eyes, what was happening? They were being faithful servants. They were racking up rewards for the kingdom. They were have, it was those servants, when you, I continue to think about that, I thought, wow, it's those servants, man. Those servants and those witnesses, those people in the Roman Empire who lived their daily lives as witnesses who were turning the Roman Empire upside down. Amen? Because they were seen. Now, of course, Paul and Peter and these guys in the mission field were, were doing radical things. But what I'm saying is one man sows, right? Another reaps. We all have different functions. We're all different parts of the body. And God gives us different opportunities to do different things. So do not, the Bible says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. If you think what I'm doing and you're doing is small, do it for Jesus, okay? And then also say, and you say, but hey, I'm not, I want to do more though. Then just keep praying. Say, Lord, open up doors so I can do more and more for you. But be faithful, with what you're doing now for Jesus, amen? The Bible says, Jesus said, he that's faithful in little will be faithful what? In much. But he that's not faithful in little will not be faithful in much. And don't think, oh, but if I was doing this, I would be such a good servant of the Lord. No, because if you're not being a servant of the Lord right now, you won't be a good servant of the Lord later if you don't choose to right now. Amen? It's all very, very important that we understand this. And it's important that we, I love this too, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether, whether then, he said, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's how I try to live my life. Whatever I do, do it to the glory of God. Okay? Be very easy today to cancel church. Because a lot of people aren't even having church, right? Normally because of COVID. But we're like, no, we're working on the Lord, man. We got some time to witness. Amen? Well, it's Sunday. It's going to be hot. Praise God. You know, if I can go for a walk in the same heat with my wife yesterday, uphill, halfway, it was uphill. If I could do that, I could certainly preach for Jesus. Amen? Well, we need more labors, guys. Jesus said, therefore, I beseech or, beseech or seek or pray. Cry out to the Lord, says Jesus, for the harvest, uh, for the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into, the har into his harvest. So guys, God's heart hurts because more people aren't laboring, spreading the gospel. So he says to pray that God would send out labors. You know what I think Jesus is doing there? I think he wants us to sincerely pray that God would send laborers out. But I think when you begin to obey that scripture and pray that God sends laborers out, you start to get a, hot, a heart for the lost. And you may end up being the answer to your own prayer. Amen? Now, it's also important that we make sure that we rely on the Lord's strength when we labor and we work. That's why a lot of people have, they're going to work, they're not seeking Jesus, they're looking at you know, their own plans. The Bible says, you know, lean not on your own, under, own understanding, right? Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and he'll make your paths what? Straight, right? So a lot of people are going to work leaning on their own understanding, 
having ambitions. I want that guy's office or whatever they're thinking. And they have no pep in their step. They have no excitement. But as Christians, man, if we work under the Lord, amen, we're following Jesus who in 517 of John said, my father is working until now and I myself am working. We say, hey, our father works, man. Jesus works, amen. He's our example. We work to God's glory. This life is fast. Bear fruit to God's glory. And then we realize, hey, you can't do it in your own strength. You could be real discouraged if you find yourself fatigued and tired at times, but you need to pray and say, Lord, give me strength to work. In fact, I love Psalm 127, what it says, unless the Lord builds the house, the labor is what? Labor in vain. Amen. I love what Paul says in Colossians 1, 28 and 29. He says, we proclaim him. We proclaim Jesus, he's talking about. Admonishing every man, it means warning every man, and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may be present, every, uh, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. This is one of my ministry verses. Since I've been a young believer that I warn every man, it's what he says, that he might present every man complete in Christ. But I love the next part, verse 29. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. So if you try to st- strive to serve the Lord in your own strength, you're going to fall flat on your face. That's why you need to be a man, we need to be men and women of prayer, amen? We cry out, Lord, Lord, give me strength to do what you call me to do. We always say, where he guides, he what? He provides, amen? He'll give you the strength. Get involved. Jesus commissioned us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to who? All the nations, amen? Making disciples of all nations. Teaching them to observe all that have commanded you. And baptizing the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen? But guess what he said right before that? Remember? He said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Then right after he said, told us to go out, he said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you through this, you know? So you can go forward recognizing you serve and you work, but the Lord's with you and you're serving for His glory. What a glorious reality, glorious truth. You know, it's important, sisters in the Lord, if you're a mother, man, you should be working, you should be encouraging your children how to walk righteously, preparing them for life, to have integrity, to live for the Lord, teaching them the Word of God, amen? In fact, in Titus chapter 2, listen to what it says, Older women, likewise, and this doesn't mean old women, it means older women, Likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the younger, the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. And I think it's really interesting. It starts with their behavior. It says, live like this, right? Being good examples, not enslaved to much wine. You're not flaunting drinking and stuff. You're flaunting being a good example before Jesus so that you can teach the younger women, Right? to encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. A lot of this, again, has to do with work and also being a witness to outsiders. You know, I was reading an article in the Wall Street Journal recently, which I thought was interesting. Housework was, has unique value in instilling a habit of serving others. It's a secular Wall Street Journal. Housework has unique value in instilling a habit of serving others. Analyzing data on more than 3,000 adults, Alice Rossi, a professor emeritus of sociology at the University of Massachusetts, Amherst, found doing housework chores as a child was a major independent predictor of whether a person chose to volunteer or be involved in other community work as an adult. Thus, for parents who value service, housework has an important, uh, is an important teaching tool. I think that's very interesting. And then, how much time, okay, how much time do you think children spend 
doing chores a day on average. Okay? Children are spending a mere 24 minutes a day cleaning, laundry, and other housework. 12% decline since 1997 and a 25% drop from 1981 levels. Okay? According to Sandra Hoffeth, uh, Hoffeth, she's director of Maryland Population Research Center at the University of Maryland, based on a forthcoming study of 1,343 kids, the, in glacial terms, in the glacial realm of sociological change, that amounts to a free fall. So guys, when you're like, oh, look at these millennials, a lot of them don't even want to work. Well, guess what? <laughs> They've been getting taught by baby boomers. They don't have to work around the house, you know? That they're doing, it's not just, the millennials just should grow up in a vacuum. There's been influence, okay? So I don't put this at the feet of the millennials. I say all of us are responsible and need to give you a good example to others. We need to be good parents that teach our children the value of hard work. Oh, thanks, bro. Appreciate that, man. Thank you. Am I sweating? Thank you, bro. So, we're almost done here, guys. Second Timothy chapter 2. Men and women. Paul says, the things which I, you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust these two faithful men who will be able to teach others also. See how, see how this, there's this reverberating effect? You disciple others. You teach them what it means to follow Jesus. Amen. Then they teach others what it means to follow Jesus. Right? And then they teach those who are taught to follow Jesus. Then they teach others still who, who need to follow Jesus. So it's great. It starts with you. Okay? Then those you influence will teach others. And that's when you look at the fruit. Remember that fourth soil? Remember the four soils, the parable of four soils? The first three were doomed. The last soil was the one who held to the word of God with perseverance. And he bore fruit 40, 60, and 100 fold. Isn't that beautiful? He bore fruit. But you know what? He may have only seen a little bit of fruit in his life. But that person that he shared the gospel with, that came to Jesus, that person shares with other people, and then they bear fruit. Amen? And then those people are sharing with others, and they bear fruit. It's like that little, little tiny pebble you throw in a pond. And you see that water just ripple out. That little splash seems like nothing at first, but that little ripple works its way across the pond. You know, there's something called the butterfly effect, you know, which is theoretical that the flap of a butterfly wing, you know, can cause just a little bit of wind to move. But, but, but that wind can garner more strength. And by the time it gets to another con, it could be a hurricane. Now, it's not actually true, but it's an interesting theory because it's, it's the idea of cause and effect in that what seems like a little cause can sometimes have a huge effect. And while I don't believe the, uh, the illustration of the butterfly wing carries merit, I do believe the little, pond in, the little uh, pe pebble in a pond does carry a lot of merit. And we can give example after example after example of somebody who t led a ton of people to Jesus, but the person that led him or her to Jesus had only led one person, it was that person to Jesus. Yet all kinds of fruit result in that. Or maybe somebody leads someone to Jesus, but yet that person doesn't come to Jesus if you didn't share with that person first. If you weren't a light at the place that you're working. Because you being a light at the place that you're working is already, God is already at work plying people's hearts, opening them up, wooing them to come to Him. And their next stop could be the place where they actually come to Him and they find salvation. We want to be co-laborers with Jesus. Are you a co-laborer with Jesus? So where are we to be our witness? Where are we? Where are we to be witnesses, guys? Everywhere. Everywhere, amen. When we're supposed to be a light, is that just on the mission field, or where's the mission field? Everywhere, amen. And you guys, this is a key. I love it because the reason you can have a pep in your step and not is because you're not craving, saying, 
man, you're, you're loving your neighbors yourself. You're not saying, man, I want his spot at work. You know, maybe you want a promotion, but you say, Lord, your will be done. Okay, maybe he gives you that spot because you're going to be a better worker than that guy. But you know what? You're praying for the Lord's will to be done. And you're working under the Lord. You're saying, Lord, whether they reward me or not, I know that you will reward me. Amen. I know that I have the, I'm going to be in your kingdom forever. And I know that I'm working by the sweat of my brow right now. But there will be one day where that sweat is wiped away, just like the tears will be wiped away. Amen. And I'll have eternal joy with you forever. Amen. In conclusion, have you ever heard in conclusion from me so fast in a message? <laughs> Hebrews 6.10, I love this. I love this. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name. Catch that? For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love that you have shown his name to all the saints. When you work for the Lord and you live for him, he remembers it. If, when you help people out, he says, when you, when you give to the poor, he says, you lend, when you give to the poor, you lend to the poor, God will repay you. Wow, that's amazing. God is not unjust to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you will show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen? Now remember that scripture in Colossians 2, I quoted earlier, verse 23, whatever you do and work, or whatever you do, do your work heartily for the Lord rather than for men. You know what the next part of that verse is? The next verse, verse 24 says, knowing that, knowing that, check this out, knowing that something you should know when you're working for the Lord, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. Okay? There's an inheritance that you're, you're going to have. Jesus said, don't store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust take, uh, take away or corrupt, but and steves, steals, uh, steves. <laughs> thieves come in and steal. Amen? But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust can corrupt and thieves cannot come in and steal. Amen? So he says, whatever you do, do your work heartily for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. So if you're serving Christ, you know that's why you can have a pep in your staff, man. I'm going to work and I'm serving Jesus. Hey, I did a lot of jobs before I became a pastor. You know, my job as a pastor, I didn't really have to change much because I was already ministering. I was already witnessing. I was already telling people about Jesus. I was already discipling people. And those people I was discipling said, how can we can't just turn this into a church? Because that's just who I was in Jesus. Because I was serving Jesus at my work. I was serving, man, I was you know, I set tile with Brother Kenny over there. He taught me uh, set tile. He works hard. I, I, was, I did tile. I did, you know, a lot of different. I, I even dug ditches, you know, sometimes over 20 feet deep. And you'd have to scurry down in the dirt and the mud and scurry back up, you know, and get down there with a jackhammer and, and stuff like that. But that was one of my favorite jobs. You know why? Because I'd work up a hard sweat, you know. And I didn't think, I mean, I was working in Bel Air. I was working at some of the richest houses in the world. And I never once, not one time thought, I'd love to have a house like that. How come I can't get a promotion like this, Lord? No, you know what? I was just so happy to be saved, man. And I was so happy to be digging ditches for a while, you know? And I love that job. You know why? I worked with a friend named Mike Santa for some time who gave me the job. Then he moved on to another job. And then I became the boss and hired my, my brother Tom to work with me. And I loved it because guess what? Sometimes the holes got so deep, you had to go 
down too deep and you couldn't get the, the dirt up with your shovel. So you would just keep going down. And you'd have buckets and the guy at the top would just kind of pull it up. And I loved it, man. I'd work my tail off. I'd shimmy up. I'd get up there. I'd send him the bucket. And guess what I'm doing the whole time? Memorizing scriptures, singing unto the Lord in my heart, you know. And I can't tell you how many scriptures I memorized. And I had such, I, didn't, I had a pep in my step. Why? Because I was doing it unto Jesus. Amen? Do it unto Jesus. Serve the Lord at your work. And say, hey, I don't even know if anybody's seen my witness or, or the effect I'm having, but guess what? I know the angels are watching, Lord. You know? I know you're watching. I want to please you first and foremost. I ultimately serve an audience of one. Amen? But at the same time, Lord, I know if I serve you, you're going to bear fruit through my work. Amen? If you're saying, yeah, but Joe, my job... Pray then that God would get you another job, but be faithful where you're at. Amen? We should have joy in our work. And you can't have joy in your work if you just see your work. You have to see Jesus before you see your work. You have to see Jesus being glorified through you in your work. You have to see him past your work as well. You have to see the final day where the work that you've done unto him will be rewarded and they will have an inheritance. And where you hear the Lord Jesus Christ say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Amen? Let's do that. Let's make sure we keep our hands to the plow. Amen? If you have a physical condition, you're like, man, I'm hearing this message, but Joe, I'm absolutely debilitated. I can't go forward. Well, I just said earlier in the message, if you can't work, that's, that's, that's a different situation. But then in your heart, cry to the Lord and say, Lord, help me still be a witness in my sickness or in my situation. Bring healing. Or if there's no healing coming, help me be a faithful witness that points people to you. Amen? There's always a way of escape that we may be able to endure any situation that we face. Amen? And whatever circumstance we are, we're able to give glory to Jesus and we're able to live for Him. It's important that we know that. Amen? So, we have a Lord who's not unjust to forget what we've done to His glory. Which blows me away. You know why? I try to get my head around the meaning of a couple different verses. Where Jesus talks about the guy that goes and works in the field. He comes in, you know. Or say a master comes home and his servant is there. And his servant serves him. He says the, the master doesn't say thank you. Because the servant's done his duty. A lot of times, keep in mind in those contexts, there were indentured servants that were paying back debts and stuff. He said even so, when you've done the will of God, don't look for thanks. Because we've been created, to, we've received so much from our Father, amen. We should, I'm going to sue you, God. Because you didn't give me this, that, and the other. You know, that's how pe people can bring that, that way of thinking into Christianity. That's what happens with the false gospel, the prosperity gospel. Well, I want this, this, and this, and this. And you get a bunch of disgruntled people. Man, we should be thankful. I try to tell you. Don't, be, don't always complain about the blister on your hand. Be thankful that you have a hand to have a blister on. Amen? And be thankful that it hurts because that's God's way of saying, hey, you need to take care of this. Our perspective changes when we look at how we have a good God and we look at the big picture, amen? So you guys, let's walk with a pep in our step, amen? Let's be encouraged in Jesus. Was this too hot for any of you? Good, man, because I'm going to preach the second half then. No, I'm just kidding, man. I'm done, but I love you guys and praise God for you and praise God we have a fellowship. We have so many. I mean... And I just, you know, look at Michael over there. You know, look at Joe over there. Look at Doug over there. Look at Jonathan. And I can start pointing all you guys out there that help and serve in different ways, you know. These guys blow me away, man. They're serving the Lord, you know. And they're glorifying Him. You guys in the audience that serve in different ways. I mean, we had a Wednesday night barbecue, you know. And I had to finish my mess. I was like, Lord, how am I going to juggle all this, you know. And people stepped up and helped. And I'm like, man, I got to get out there, man, because I'm sure this is burning. 
and I see Big John over there, man. He's got it. He's got to take care of. Okay, and he works at Barbecue Galore, right, bro? Uh, and you got to see him in action. I'm like, oh, this, I'm, I'm going back to the office. This guy's gonna just do great, man. I can learn a thousand things from this guy. But, and there were other people that were there early to help, you know. You know, Doug calls early. Hey, can I bring some chicken by? I help you guys, you know, for the barbecue. Just having a heart to help in certain ways, amen. And look at the Anis. The, the Anis set themselves up. But don't, don't leave the work. That's why when Jesus says the laborers are few, and he says pray, we ought not have just a few laborers. All of us who call ourselves Christians should be pitching in, amen. You know, Joe Buck th- does not complain. He's like, you know, he, but, but he could use help setting up the awnings in the morning, you know. He could use help from just, even if there's a rotation of people that just step up to help these guys, Amen. I mean, I don't know, Jonathan Baum. You know what? Doug serves with Good Fight Ministries, and he's barely taken, accepted anything, you know, compared. And he's like serving right now, doing, and I know this embarrasses Doug, but he says, goes and goes and goes. He's the one, that's good meetings going. That's good. Let's get more of the gospel out more and more. It's like, hey, Doug, we can help you out. You're using a lot of your time, you know, for this. And no, no, I'm fine. God's taking care of me. And that's, that's a heart for God, you know. And if he's in a situation where he needs it, I'm sure at times he would, he'll take it. But he's, for, for the last year, no, no, I'm good. But he's burning the candle at both ends, serving the Lord. And we need to have attitudes where it's Lord. The Lord will take care of us, amen? But there's always things you can do. You can serve in nursery. You can, you can help set the church up, you know? You can visit people that are sick. You can get involved in the meals program when different people uh, can't fix themselves meals because somebody has just died in their home or, or they're very, very sick. There's so many things you could do to serve the Lord, Okay? could just encourage one another. Now, in the bright light of this heated day, I'm not able to see this clock, but I'm going to trust that I'm still a little early if we stop now, right? All right, can we all please stand up? We're going to pass out the cup.